the Soccer OG. Hi, I'm Max Bretos. I usually don't rattle out the uh, the number of the podcast anymore, but I did want to share with you that this is episode 150, a benchmark moment. I'm not going to make a big deal like I did for episode 100. I won't make a big deal of it like I did for, or will do for episode 200 or 500. But 150 put a smile on my face, and uh, I'm glad we got this far. Because it's episode 150, I can't disappoint, right? So we will be joined in the business end by my former colleague at ESPN, Sarah Walsh, who is now working for Turner and HBO, covering the the U.S. men and women's national team. Very exciting time for the women. We'll talk about that. Not so exciting time for the men, but it's still interesting to discuss what's going on. We'll get her ideas as well about working in soccer. It's a very exciting time, and it's good to see all these channels coming out and starting their own foundation. That's pretty cool about what's going on. Coming up in stoppage time, Monday I I got up and I saw this Alexi Lalas tweet which suggested that Christian Pulisic could be lured to MLS, perhaps to the LA Galaxy. I will tell you why that is not far-fetched. People were losing their blank when they saw that. I texted Alexi, I go, dude, you pissed off a lot of people. (laughs) He's like, I don't get it, I just mentioned it. It's not not far-fetched, I'm just telling you, but I'll tell you, Specifically why, have to stick around for stoppage time for that. Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend all over the world. Let's get going. Feeling pretty good. Uh, Actually, I'm not feeling that great. I'm a little bit worse for wear. Went to a, the Beach Life Music Festival in Redondo. And it's not that I really want, love the lineup or anything, but it's it's in my neighborhood so I could ride my bike to it. So you can't pass that up. It was three days. Friday had, I would, I would have liked Friday. It was the Pixies and Modest Mouse. Uh, I can't remember well. Saturday it was Sublime and Gwen Stefani. Not my thing, but it was a huge sellout. That was the big day. Because, you know, they have Orange County SoCal ties, so the big following there. I would have liked to have seen it, but I was busy in Portland covering Major League Soccer. So I did manage to go Sunday, which was the Black Crows and John Fogarty, the head and the heart, Miley Cyrus's little sister, her name escapes me, she performed as well as band camp. It was good, but as good as it was, me who love music festivals and always swears by them, says I want to keep going the rest of my life. It was, it was, Abundantly clear that I can't pull that off. Forget about going more than one day. But I, I because it was sunny in the day, I had shorts and sandals on. It was uncomfortable when it got cold at night. I had a sweater, which didn't help. I needed to wear jeans. Standing up for seven hours also took a toll. And even the Black Crows, who were performing really well, I was like, I got to get out of here. I have this bike ride to go. So I did. It was fun, though. Get out. Listen to some live music. It's good for you. I go to a lot of live music, but it's at a venue, one artist where I'm sitting down a lot. I'm old. That's why I'm the OG. A lot to cover here quickly. Uh, Again, business and Sarah Walsh will have a national team discussion, men's and women's. Uh, We're going to make a very friendly wager too. You may want to check that out to see what what is at stake. I I turned my back on my country in in some way. But just to make things interesting. And stoppage time, we'll discuss this Christian Pulisic possibility. I mean, he's out of contract. We'll give you all the details on why I think, uh, at the very least, he's going to get, he could get a very uh, lucrative uh, offer he may not be able to refuse. We'll see. He can refuse anything. 
We'll get into all the details at stoppage time. Uh, some things of note that have caught my attention on the big soccer weekend. We're holding on to it as much as possible. Uh, I think we're ready to give last rights to Leeds. Uh, big Sam <laughs> played well against Manchester City, but they lost again. And they finally slipped into the bottom three. And that is where they will remain. I've been telling you they're going to get relegated for a few month, a few weeks now. And I don't see how it turns around now. And on Monday, there was this... This was, this was one of the best days of Premier League viewing because it was a Monday. You know, weekends, I mean, Monday, I'm kind of a little bit flexible. I have some work. So it started with Fulham Leicester. Leicester's in the relegation picture. And then it was Everton. Who was Everton playing? Uh, I'll get back to that. And then it was Nottingham Forest and Sunderland. So you have four teams that are in the row. Oh, Everton played Brighton. But so you have Everton, Leicester, Sunderland, not Sunderland, Southampton and Nottingham Forest all in the relegation picture. So Leeds were out of the bottom three. By the end of the day, they went from 18th to the second game. And the last game, they found themselves in 19th. I mean, they still have some games to play here and they could get out of it. But why would you think they have like one point out of a possible 18 as of late? Now, their schedule... <laughs> they host Newcastle, maybe. Then they're at West Ham. West Ham got a nice win over the weekend, huh? Yeah, they're safe after beating Manchester United. And then Leeds played to Tottenham. So they have two home games. So there's a possibility, but this, this is not the way they're playing. They're not as good as these other teams. Everton blew the doors off of Brighton. It was crazy. That You have to feel they're going to keep it going. Uh, Leicester are in trouble. They got blown out by Fulham. And then Nottingham Forest, I was surprised that they're in the bottom three. They have so many good players. I mean, that front three of theirs is electric. And even then, they were still swinging against Southampton at the very end. Now Danilo, oh man, he's such a player. But he's so inconsistent in the Premier League. If he's consistent, they have one of the best um, number six slash number eights in the league. I'm confident to say that. So uh, Leeds... Drop, drop, drop after all those results. All the results, except for the Leicester one, went against them. Um, they would have almost preferred Southampton to beat Nottingham Forest because Southampton's at the bottom. They just don't want the teams ahead of them to pull away. So uh, there's it's down to five teams of that are in peril. So let's go. West Ham are safe, 37 points. Nottingham Forest, 16th with 33. Everton, 17th with 32. Leicester, 30 points. Leeds, 30 points. Southampton, 24 Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton, the bottom three there. So uh, we're going to lose some uh, Premier League guys from uh, the United States for sure. Three and one big shot. Not good. I think uh, Brendan Aronson probably goes down with them. I think Tyler Adams possibly. But there should be some demand for him. And then Weston McKinney's not obligated. He's on loan. He should go back to Juventus and find another club. Now, I'm going to tell you, because I mean, promotion relegation is amazing. It is amazing. And we're just going to focus on the English game so I don't get convoluted here. The best part of promotion relegation is the promotion playoffs. To see, so in England, first and second place come automatically up. It was Burnley and Sheffield United. Third through six has a little playoff. And you have this little playoff for this huge prize, which is again in the Premier League. Uh, you know, these relegation games, it was a great relegation Monday. Uh, you enjoy it. I mean, and I sometimes like, I know we have this discussion. Should we bring that here? We're not ready for it. I know. And I also think 
that um, we overvalue some of these pro rail games because they're not really entertaining. They can be, and it's obviously made things very interesting for a variety of clubs. But the promotion playoffs are where it's at. And in the EFL Championship, we now know, and they're going to play this weekend, Luton Town will play Sunderland. Middlesbrough will take on Coventry. That Coventry, man, when I first started covering the Premier League, they were there. Gary, what was it, Gary McAllister? They had a good team. It'd be cool. They have beautiful jerseys, these beautiful blue jerseys. By the way, it's good to see Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. We haven't been them in a while, so I want them to stay up because they add a lot. Great little stadium there, too. Now, of added interest in these EFL Championship playoffs are the fact that three of them have Americans. Luton Town, their goalkeeper, is Ethan Horvath, who's on loan. Taking on Sunderland, we have Lyndon Gooch, who uh, is a player there. Remember, Sunderland had that great reality series. They've come all the way back up. That would be a great story without the American element. Middlesbrough have Zach Steffen. He is on loan, and they'll take on Coventry. So a real good shot to have an American come to the Premier League if one of those keepers stay with their teams. I don't see why they wouldn't. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons they wouldn't as well because obviously the price goes up, you know. So... Uh, I'm pulling for Horvath. I want to see Luton Town because that's the best story. And I get the feeling he could stick around there. Zach Steffen hasn't been as good as Horvath statistically, but he has them up there. And uh, it would be, I, I think it would be very, I think the best outcome would be Luton Borough for us. I think that's what you're going to get. I think they're better than Sunderland and Coventry, but you never know. And that's what makes up promotion playoff so compelling. So you get to see that this weekend. So there will be some English football of note outside of the Premier League. Other big story. I mean, we saw the Napoli celebrations. It was great. But that's so far back. I don't think we want to rekindle that. But in the Bundesliga, are we going to see Bayern win this by one point? Remember, we had Matthew uh, uh, Manuel Faith. And we talked about it. And he said, and I agree with him, it, it feels like Bayern's going to slip here. Because they've just been bad. They've been bad down the stretch. Well, they've gotten better, and they won at Werder Bremen over the weekend. Uh, we're up 2-zip and ended 2-1. Dortmund, after that bad result against Bochum, which saw them drop into second, are now one point back. They beat Wolfsburg 6-0. This was the best performance I saw on the weekend. Just unbelievable. Jude Bellingham, two goals. Kareem Adeyemi, two goals. I want to bring up Gio Reyna. It's not the story anymore. But, you know, he's sitting on the bench. And guys that, you know, they found in Adeyemi, Daniel Malin, who's been there for a few years. Dortmund's so good at getting the right players. Adeyemi was amazing. He scored the two goals. He was just nonstop energizer bunny flying all over the paddock. It was, uh, I hope Dortmund do it, but they're gonna, they, they have to win. They have to assume they're going to have to win all three games at this point. Because uh, Bayern Munich... Have Schalke at home, Leipzig at home, and they travel to Köln. That's nine points, isn't it? That's nine points. Sorry, Dortmund. This would be heartbreaking. We need a new German champion. And this is the year, because Bayern's going to get better next season, I can tell you that. Dortmund, Mönchengladbach, travel to Augsburg. I think both teams win all three games. Home to Mainz. So a lot to look forward to. Really lock into these German games, because this is rare. When you see something that's rare... Do it. I know you have a lot of choices on what you want to watch over the weekend, but that one is a good one. Highlight from my weekend, Portland. Love going up there. Great stadium, great city. Uh, By the way, I don't know if they have, uh, they shut things down early. They have a curfew. Because after the game, me and Dunseth, at 10 o'clock, we're looking for a place to eat. Everywhere was closed. 
Saturday night, 10 o'clock, couldn't eat. Got this really dicey club sandwich. Not what I expected in a city which promises great dining options. I did want to mention, Claudio Bravo is a left back for the Portland Timbers. He scored a goal, and when he scored, I said it's his first MLS goal this season. I have some stats in front of me. So I quickly look, and I notice he's never scored a goal in MLS. So I quickly said, this is actually his first goal in his MLS career. So we interviewed him afterwards, and he's from Argentina. He said, he goes, that's the first goal I've ever scored in professional football. I was like, wow. It was such a nice moment for me. You know, that's what you want. I wish I said it over the air, but I didn't know at the time. How could I possibly know? He never scored a goal at Banfield or wherever else he went. But that was pretty cool. This is the Soccer OG. We are just getting started. Great interview coming up here with Sarah Walsh of HBO Turner covering the national teams. That is the business end, and that's coming up right now. Okay, time now for the business end, and I'm going to start this interview with a question, because when I speak to a person who is part of this group, Adnan Ver, he's very proud of the ESPN class of 2010, of which I am part of, Adnan is part of, and Sarah Walsh is joining me now. Sarah, can you mention the class of 2010? Who are the members? Oh my gosh, this is a 2010. <laughs> that's it's over a decade ago. Now, Adnan we, keeps bringing me up, but he always says he has the list memorized. So that's why I know. Um, me, you, Adnan. Uh, I don't you know. Mean, I'm terrible. Steve Weissman. I thought Weiss was a uh, a lot further, not a lot further, but I thought he was there like a year before me, kind of. No, thing. he arrived the same weekend with me because we were at the. Uh, the residence in for the first year. I do remember the residence in. I spent uh I spent months at the residence in actually. Me too. Like I have Marriott points. I have Marriott points. I I am Marriott platinum because of that. Because every time I go to a Marriott and I give them my number, they go, Oh yes, here, have some, have a cookie, have a complimentary uh, six pack. It was I like, stayed at that place for a, four months. It was like a dorm, like a ESPN <laughs> dorm. You're right. I would uh we were um we were above, I would find out later, Skip Bayless was downstairs. He'd come into Bristol and stay there really quickly. Yeah. And Maxie was one year old at the time, and he kept crawling. So he was banging the roof, and I went there. Hey, oh, are you downstairs from us? I'm so sorry. It's a little kid. But it was late. It was like, because it, yeah, I don't know. I oh, would yeah, come in. Early. Yeah, and I'd be, I'd get in at like 1 a.m. from work. So and there you have it. And you kid up at 1 a.m.? Like hanging out with your kid at 1 a.m.? We're all in one hotel room. Sometimes he'd get up. Sometimes he'd get up. So just to complete the list, yes, you, me, Adnan. I already failed this test right Steve, out of the Terrible. You didn't, yeah. <laughs> you didn't get one. Steve Weissman. Yes. Don Bell. Okay. And Cole Wright. Cole was the same year? He was at, I, he was at the back end of 2010. I'm not good. I, like I said, I'm not good with... I, there would be times in the football season this year in the NFL that if you're like, what game were you at two weeks ago? I would have to like sit there. I, I mean, sometimes I don't even know like what city I'm flying to and from. So to go back to 2010, that's a, that's a real stretch for me. <laughs> well, time has gone by and Sarah's doing great. And we want to bring her on the, the program here. Sarah was at East Penn. She's now at NFL network. And more importantly, and part of the reason I wanted to talk to her here is she is part of the Turner and HBO coverage of the the national teams. So we've seen her with uh, at the desk with Demarcus Beasley, our guy Brian Dunseth, who's been on here, and I have to get Demarcus as well 
what a crew. Julie Foudy, you got Luke Wildman and Kyle Martino. That's quite a crew you got there. And Shannon Box uh, is with us. Shannon yeah, Box, it's, correct. It's awesome. Uh, and it's it's always adding to it. No, but I'm really enjoying it. But let's start here chronologically because when we were at ESPN, you would first of all, people don't know you were you had some soccer prowess back at the University of North Florida. Tell us about your soccer career. Um, I don't. I prowess might be a strong word to use, but, but that was your sport. It was my. I grew up playing soccer from the age of five. Um, played down in Tampa. Obviously, everything is year round here. Um, played honestly with guys for um, most a lot of my career, probably until the ninth grade. Um, went on to get a scholarship to the University of North Florida. Um, I played there. And I remember when, I mean, it was just, it was obviously just a huge part of my life. And I remember though, when I was auditioning for ESPN, it was going to be a world cup year. And I think maybe they had just gotten the rights and they were like, Oh, just throw out your soccer player. They're going to love that. They like, they're really into this soccer right now. Just throw that out there. And, and I remember being on the audition and, be, and someone being like, Oh my gosh, you were a soccer player. That's, that's incredible. Like they, I think they were like really looking for that. And then I get there and they never used me on soccer ever. I mean, they used Max Bredos. But they never. Well, I didn't get used that much. I didn't get used that much for because for someone who came from a soccer background, once I yeah. got into that sports center cycle, I was a sports center anchor like you it's were. It's very weird. Like you can't get off of it, even if like there are like niches that like you are very much capable of filling. So this has been really awesome for me. I um, after I left ESPN, I was with Fox Sports for a little bit, and I did soccer with them. That's where I really um, started doing a lot of soccer and and doing the games in the same way sort of that I'm doing them um, now at Turner, now that they got the national team right. So it's been awesome for me. It's I feel like it is a very much like a full circle moment for me. Sure. And I always feel proud in the sense of I now being a parent. And I don't think you ever appreciate like all the work your parents put into you until you're a parent and then you're having to put that. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I was so incredibly ungrateful. Like my mom had dinner ready every single day. Oh and my like, God. Stuff like that, that you're like, you don't even, I just expect, you know, like you don't realize until- you then realize how much work it is. And so when I think about how much time my parents dedicated to getting me to soccer games and tournaments and traveling and going out of state to play, like, I mean, they sacrificed like every weekend of their lives from the time they enrolled me in this at five years old. And then even, you know, I picked a college based on where I could be away from them, but they could also drive to games and they were at every game. And so um, I just about think that. I, I do think that being, you know, doing these national team games now, I definitely have this moment of like, mom, dad, look like it was worth it. It paid off. Right. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I've used in some ways, um, all that time and effort you put into me and, and no, I didn't get to play in a world cup and no, I did not make the national team, but I, I'm as close as you can get for not being on the national team. Uh, so that's been, you're hanging really around cool. with national teamers. You're hanging on a I lot do. of caps. <laughs> I do hang out with people with a lot of caps. It was funny, actually, years and years ago through ESPN, I went on a cruise um, with, I was hosting stuff on a cruise ship, which is a great gig, clearly. And uh, Julie, it was <laughs> I, like I'm me. envious. Yeah, it was me, Julie Fowdy, uh, Christine Lilly. And and so I'm just sitting around with them. And then people would, you know, they're like, oh, who's this? And they're like, you played soccer. I'm like, yeah, I played soccer. And I sort of, not on purpose, but got lumped into them. So it's been a running joke with me and Fowdy for years that I'm just like on the team. So we would be at dinner every night and it would be like, hey guys, remember in 99 when we did? It's been like literally this running joke that I was on the team, although I very much wasn't. And they call me teammate. And so I really kind of like weaved my way right back there uh, with Bowdy. And we always joke about it. In fact, we were uh, in Texas doing a game recently in recent months. And Julie's like, hey, do you want to go out with us? Um, Brandy's in town. And she's like, you know, Brandy. And she's like, Chastain. And I'm like, obviously, we were all on the team together. And so just to be out with them 
on a regular basis and hear their stories. And, you know, these were people that I had posters of on my bedroom wall as a little like high school, Sarah is very like, cool. Yeah, I know, Brandy. <laughs> duh, duh, Fowdy, come on. Mia's um, going to join us. Uh, Michelle Akers might, but you know, they, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's been really like some of the coolest full circle moments I've had in my entire career. All right, well, I was going to unpack a couple of things because I remember Sarah would come up to me and goes, hey, I, 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 how do I get into the soccer thing? And I go... I go, you, you you just find and have those conversations. So I know she was, this was in her, in her head way back then. So to see her doing this is, it is full circle for you. It's full circle yeah. for me to see it. Uh, and it's good to see good people happen. Good things happen to good people. I want to tell you something because it, it struck a chord about your parents. Because my mom would always say, oh, you don't appreciate me enough. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we do. So I was doing this Mother's Day special at uh, LAFC with Aaron Long. So we interviewed his mom and then we interviewed him. And those two, this there's just this connection. The mom was like, all the sacrifices. And then we interviewed her first, and she's crying, thinking about all those times. And now she gets to see her son play. And then we talk to the son, and Aaron's going, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be here. And he starts crying because my mom, I appreciate all the sacrifices. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing these things. I'm starting to get all emotional. And I call my mom. I go, mom, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you. I'm sorry. You're so right. It's so true. We don't. We don't, you we don't, don't do that enough. It. And I'm like, these kids are so much work. Like I have twins and I'm yes. like, oh my God, there's so much work. And I'm like, I was so much work, you know? It'll, it'll come full circle for you when you go, I told you. And they're like, you're right. Yeah, but you I, hope I, that I happens. really, truly, I really, truly didn't get it right until you have kids of like yeah. how much until, and then, and it's funny when you talk about, you know, Aaron Long's parents appreciating him. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, We were just, Becky Sauerbrunn just had her 200th cap um, ceremony. And she was talking about it and she's like, it's not for me. It's for everybody that supported me. Yeah. Good. Well, <laughs> are you sneezing? Oh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm getting emotional. No, I'm <laughs> That's how we're going to tell. She's getting very emotional. <laughs> uh, she's going to get, no, let me grab some, let me she's getting some water. tissues. She's not yeah, getting water. Um, she's had. No, but she was right in that, in that regard where she was like all these people. And it was in St. Louis, which is where Becky Sauerbrunn was from. And um, they waited to do the ceremony there. And she's like, I mean, she had a large contingent of people there, but she's like, this ceremony is really just to be thankful to everyone that got you here and supported you on your way. And it's true. Uh, thanks for saying that. Cause I'm going to be doing a game in St. Louis so I can bring up this Becky Sauer, but that'll make me sound smarter. Cause I have a couple games in St. Louis. I'm very excited to go there to their new <laughs> facility. Uh, have MLS you been there yet? No. How is it? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, you know, I've gotten to see now being sort of on this tour because with Turner, barring the team being out of the country, we do all these games. We're on the road for the pregame, postgame, halftime show, all that. And um, I mean, Nashville SC is awesome. We saw that one. I was really impressed by LAFC. We kicked yeah. things off there. And I, mean, I saw you just, there. It's just like you're, you came in, you came in what was our green room, but it was like one of the suites and it is like a trendy little lounge. Like we were Whoa. all into I've, it. I've gone down there, you're those suites and the game's going on. You guys, you guys, are you going to leave the suite? And they're sitting there with a cocktail and food, watching it on the uh, TV. Oh, no, was, we're fine. <laughs> well, and then the field um, was like feet away from yes, us. Yes, like, you walk so. right out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm ruining your podcast. No, you're not. You're not. This is good stuff. But the, uh, but um, St. Louis incredible really beautiful uh the field sits like down like so there's street level and then the field is down uh it, but it was just it was really gorgeous there's going to be i would assume a lot of we're going to see the national team there a lot it's just yeah 
it's a that's really- actually a great that's a great shot because they're looking for a place where they have an edge and that it's grand it's not a huge park but you want that intimacy and I, I tell people about American soccer you can tell you can say this about MLS but one thing you can't argue about the league they have these great stadiums that all popped up in no time you're like whoa everywhere and uh with St. Louis you know I spoke to I'd have conversations with so many guys from St. Louis, guys and girls from St. Louis, and tell me how great a soccer town it was. I'm like, yep. yeah, 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 whatever. Yep. And I and I wouldn't believe it, but I go, I just have to see it. And then I saw it when these this team started playing, and it all clicked into place. I go, St. Louis is badass. The fan, I mean, they're going crazy there, and uh, and that's going to stay. That's going to remain because it's all about the neighborhoods. Yeah. It's uh, it's so exciting. I'm surprised, but it makes you think why why didn't they come into the league <laughs> ten years earlier? And now they're going, I told you. And they were right. Yeah, yeah. You're going to love it. I, I can't wait for you to see it because it's it's pretty awesome. Exciting. It's on the list. That's, the, again, the, the biggest appeal of being part of this MLS season pass. Uh, maybe our, 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 cross will pass, our pass will cross, but it's an exciting time for the sport here because there's so many different places that are invested. You know, obviously, Apple with MLS, Turner and HBO. You have uh, Paramount and and with uh, CBS uh, content, obviously, uh, NBC and Peacock. So it, it, all these leagues are everywhere, but they have a lot of production behind it. People are spending money on the sport. And I know people aren't watching soccer in droves yet, but the fact that people are investing so much, look, Men in Blazers is creating a, a vertical for the sport. And I, I get the feeling that if everyone's doing it, means the research has been done and they see this as, especially with the World Cup on the horizon, Maybe it's just short term, but I think it's beyond that, that it is it is growing to the point And they've seen the numbers where it says, if we do this, it's worth the investment because we will it'll it, it'll get there. They've, they've you know what I mean? They've done the research and the homework where they say, look, you'll get a payoff here. It may not happen here, but if you keep going here, you will see. Well, it yeah, it's, I think we feel like it's not going to go backwards. And, and, no. and for you and I, it's been like we've been these you know, little soccer fans waiting in the wings. And, and, you know, we understand that, like you said, it's not, it's, it's, it's not being watched in this country, obviously like the NFL is like the NBA is kind of thing, but for people that are like real soccer fans like us, it's, it is so exciting and it is, um, it is awesome to see it sort of expand and the coverage and the different networks and um, people putting the resources in it. And so I, like I, I just said, I, it's not going to go backwards, especially hosting a world cup in this country. Like that will only elevate things, especially if um, the American team does well. Yes. And then um, I'm sure you just heard recently, I was doing the Mexico U S game in Phoenix or in Glendale, Arizona, and they just announced that the, you know, women's side is going to bid to have back-to-back, you know, that they would have the- 20, uh, 2027 World Cup. Yeah, so to go back-to-back, I mean, so can you imagine, like, it's a, a huge deal to host a World Cup. It obviously generates so much uh, attention on the sport and uh, on our national teams, but can you imagine to have the men's game here and then to turn around a, a right away almost and have the women do the same thing? Like, it would be pretty awesome for soccer in this country. It would. Personally, I would like- the Women's World Cup to wait four more years to come here just so we can build it up again. But I get it. And you strike with everything when it's hot. So yeah, maybe it's, either maybe way, it's good. You're striking that like if you felt like you had the best chance to get it then maybe in that window. I mean, right. again, I, I always assume that's probably what's at play. Get it out beyond uh, like what we know. Um, so maybe that's just that's the play on it, I'm guessing. Yeah. But if any country can absorb two big World Cups, because I remember the, when Brazil had the World Cup and then they had the Olympics, it felt like too much. And you're like, whoa. And maybe the country was like burdened 
but you know brazil certainly can handle it but not like the u.s because they have everything but they built everything so maybe it wasn't a big issue i don't know maybe brazil goes we we were glad the way we did it uh but uh it, it it's funny because when i i like how everything's are starting organically like turner hbo because we're starting soccer here with you guys and we're gonna build we're gonna set a foundation cbs did it nbc's done it because we're not we were at espn and you know, I was on Sports Center. I would say, let's get this soccer highlight on. It's soccer highlight. And I would get frustrated. But when I look back, yeah. you know, Sports Center was already had its brand and it has its fans. So you have people who are tuning in for hockey, you have people tuning in for baseball, NFL. So and when I look back, maybe it wasn't the place to kind of push soccer hard. And, you know, that shows. But it doesn't well. stop you from trying. You know, doesn't I mean? stop me from trying, yeah. but I would yeah. put it I mean, on I there and I'd everybody feel. Everybody should. Yeah. You know, and that's the point of having such a wide range of, of people and, um, interest, right? Like, I mean, yeah. yeah, we should have always tried. Um, I was just trying to get on soccer and I couldn't, I couldn't get out <laughs> of the bubble that I was in. It was just never happening. And then it was so funny because, um, even when I went over to Fox, they'd be like, why didn't we even thought he's always like, why didn't we work together more at ESPN? And I'm like, I don't know. Great question. We just went on cruises together. But I mean, it was so rare that we would get, you're a 99er players. and you didn't get to call soccer. How do they miss it, that at ESPN? Like, no, I don't know. Um, it was like a hidden team member on the 99 squad. <laughs> Sounds like a book, Sarah Walsh, the hidden member of the 99. There's photos proving she was there on the field. You must have been uh, in diapers yeah, or something. Buy, yeah, you won't buy those. <laughs> Actually, I do have a good story about that. So uh, I was in college at the time. I was interning in New York City and um, at Fox Sports in New York City, and it went out of this Fox News building. And obviously, that was when women's soccer in this country just hit its an explosion, right? What they did changed everything I think for women's sports and obviously for soccer in this country so I'm a little intern that's also a soccer player and I am in this massive huge building middle of New York City uh, probably on the like you know 60th floor I can't remember but I look at the TV and the World Cup team and now this is prior like Julie and me and those guys they didn't get ticker tape praise but they had just won the World Cup they had just gone back to the country and I'm looking and they are downstairs like in our not even in the building right outside the building in the little plaza where they go live and I'm like, oh my God, they're all downstairs. Like, and I remember this to this day because they had on, they all had matching outfits on, which I feel like they would not have to come back and go to the parade and matching outfits. They had these lavender shirts and pants and they had the trophy. And I'm like, I'm going to go down there. And I, and this is how <laughs> society has changed. I couldn't believe I was standing next to, I mean, I just walked up and it's Mia and Julie and all these people. And, and um, they were holding the world cup trophy and it was way smaller than I thought it would be on TV. I mean, it was like not very big. No, it's and heavy. I, not. And I had a camera like back in the day, like the, the cam, like I'm talking the little, not a professional camera, a little camera that the, the, there's a thing that flips up out of the lens and you take a picture. And this is when you had to go to like Walgreens and get your film developed, but never in, so I have all these pictures of just them holding the trophy and me standing there snapping away. Never in the, there were selfies didn't exist. Like never would have I thought <laughs> to have turned the camera on me and be like, look, it's me with the World Cup trophy. And I think about that in terms of like, it just never occurred to me to do that. Like, I didn't think about like, oh, I should make sure I'm in. Like that that whole world didn't exist, which I love actually. And, but so I still have these pictures that I went and printed out and it's them. So I really was on the 99 team, honestly. I oh, because there. there's no proof. <laughs> No there's selfies. No, I, there's, yeah, there's proof that I was, you know, right there. This, but that was kind of the extent of their, like, they didn't have a ticker tape parade, but they went on like the morning shows mm -hmm. around New York City and was, they were like, here's our trophy. And, but I remember standing right, that was like a cool moment in my life of like, oh, I'm this kid that plays at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. I happen to be in New York City for the summer. These are like the women in our country. They just won the World Cup. And I, and I only am like looking at the TV on, our floor in our office and i'm like oh my god like they're right there i'm gonna go see him and uh and it was cool 
hey hey remember me hold on julie uh yeah. well though they it, it obviously it's changed so much by the way when i look at my phone and i'm looking at i want to see old photos it only goes to like 2011 or something and that's when i was taking I photos I... and i go it stops which is great because that's yeah. when uh my my son was born so i had photos from but it was i didn't really i mean i know there were photos on my phone prior but i don't really have a record of it so i don't know but uh we'll see uh maybe it's good less is yeah, he's less as, I, more. as I get to, two, two, like, 2099, there'll be photos of me when single going, carrying on. Oh, boy. Erase, yeah. erase. <laughs> I can see that about you, Max. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, we had a good time. If you're out there and you're in your 20s or in your early 30s, go out and have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Uh, if you want to get married early, do that, too. But uh, we have one shot at this, so do what you can. I went to a music <laughs> festival yesterday. I was there by... I, I was supposed to meet some friends and I was I spent two hours looking for them, texting them. Uh, it was in Redondo Beach. And eventually I ran into one, but I couldn't find them all. And then I was there for five, six hours. And I'm like, I got to get, I got to go home. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You I've been standing to- up for six hours. I got to go home. You went to a music festival looking for friends and for two hours you were like searching your friends and they weren't yes. responding to you? Yeah, I don't know. I think one of them was overserved and he was like, hey, and he was in a mood. So I was like, dude, where are you? And I ran another one. I got, we listened to music. He's like, I'm over here at the beer garden. I go, come out and listen to the music. So I went there and I missed him. It was it was very frustrating. I don't want to bore you with all this, but that was my day. But I had a good time. But I remember after six hours, like I got to get out of here. And I rode down on my bike and I had sandals and and it was very hot in the day, but it was very chilly at night. So the ride back was interesting. It was nice and then uh, cold. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and then it was like oh, just get home. So uh, let's pivot to the national team because you, that's really where you're getting a good look at it, both men's and women's. Uh, the women's right now is the most exciting because we have a World Cup looming and we have the two-time reigning champs here on our soil. Um, but this is, you know, this is different. This is not the team that just ripped through everyone a few years ago. And I think if I was a gambling man, I wouldn't bet on the U.S. to win it here. And I think that's great because I think people tune in to the women's game because they enjoy, and I enjoy it too, the women blowing the doors off everyone. You know, if someone comes up at six, seven, that's how it used to be. Or, And people, Americans like to see that. And uh, I, for one, does it. But I, as to see the women's grow, you need good competition at the top. Yeah. And I've seen that now. You know, I've seen, I was wondering Spain has come out of nowhere to become this elite team. And it happened overnight. And now we have these, this the European leagues where they're making drawing 50 60,000 for major tournament finals and now you have the NWSL and you know people are getting paid finally and hopefully they're getting paid what they're worth that's we're not there yet but we're getting there so it's become a a big global thing I I, I spoke to Lori Lindsay here and she said and I couldn't agree with her said this world cup is going to be the biggest women's sporting event ever and I'm like wow that's pretty strong but then I thought about it and this also speaks to the 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 lack of growth in the women's game historically and now that's really in women's sports we're seeing the breakthroughs now and, and the way you can tell it's it's legit is people are tuning in so uh because of that and because that the u.s has its target and the rest of the world's coming back i i'm i can't wait to see some of these games and see what it looks like but what i hope i want the u.s to win but i hope we get these great quarters great semis where like you know it's not um, I think you the gap's will. Not there. I think you will because um, there is a growing, increasingly larger cluster of teams 
that they can't just blow out. And I think that that is a good thing in the sense of people go, okay, well, they don't dominate anymore. And it's not that they don't dominate. I think they're as good as they've ever been. If not, maybe, you know, Alex Morgan, and of course, what's she going to say, but like, you know, recently, like this week said, this is the best, you know, team we've ever had. And that wow. could be true. That could be true. It's just that the rest of the world is not where the rest of the world used to be. That's I mean, great that, then. Yeah. That's the difference. Um, it makes everyone better. And I don't necessarily think, I, I think the U.S. women might be better. They might be better than they've ever been, right? I mean, they're only getting stronger and the and the depth and the, and the pool is only getting bigger, which is a good thing. It's just that the rest of the world has started to catch up and that is not in any way set as a knock. I think sometimes can, you can hear that kind of thing and think it's, it's a, a knock. Well, well, now you're you're falling off a little bit and everyone's catching up. No, it's just that the game has grown and I think opportunities for women have grown. And I think everyone knows that the U.S. women have been monstrously a part of the reason that this game has grown, starting with those 99ers. And, and they know that. And then what the U.S. women's team here has done in terms of equal pay, well, that's, I think what you're seeing is a ripple effect everywhere else. And, and to your point, these leagues that are now now in Europe and some of our women go play overseas, you know, I mean, like Lindsay Horan plays overseas. There's a lot of women that now choose to play because opportunities are there. And so I think it's a good thing. I think, um, you know, I, and I think our, the U S women very much know, like it's no longer going to be them just kind of romping through everyone. And it, it, I mean, we've seen it like they, they didn't win at the Olympics. I mean, we just for so long got used to the idea that they would just blow everyone away in every competition at every, you know, and it just, and there's good teams and, um, and they know that. And I think that they've been tested and I think, you know, everyone understands like a three P is just, is, is so difficult to do because obviously <laughs> we US... put so much on their shoulders. We think it's like, yeah, because load really, out these expectations. I mean, how Three many world teams, comes in a row, how many teams would give anything to be in the semis, to be in the quarter, <laughs> to be in the final, the U S men certainly would. The oh US my God. Oh, can would. you imagine if they were in the quarter? I mean, just to get into the corners, what this would, what that would do in this country. And, and the U S women have a burden that nobody else has. And, and the fact is, is if, if they don't win it, they will consider it not a success. I mean, that is their bar. Simple. And, um, you know, it's, I, I've heard it often said that that job that Vlatko Andonovsky has right now is the hardest job in all of soccer because you can't, I mean, yes, you, you have the favorites, but anything less than winning at all is come is for them a failure. And, um, so it's definitely a different set of pressure that they have compared to, I think, every other team in there. But I think it's unrealistic. I think they very much know that they are not, I, I mean, they're not being, there's certain teams, obviously, that they would be like three, four, no. But like, for the most part, I mean, even a lot of these contests that, you know, I've been a part of it, it these are, these are close games um, yeah. a lot of the time. Um, even teams that they should blow out. It's always yeah. kind of closer than you think it's going to be nowadays. That's brilliant. Uh, and what does Vladko, you really feel for him because I, this could be the better U.S. team. And I think the integration of these young players, and we've seen them uh, just blow us away with their skills. And some of the, the, the younger players from four years ago becoming, uh, you know, leading stars now on that team. That's all very natural. But it's like Vladko really might be in that position. He's like, hey, why aren't you beating this? You beat this team 8-0 four years ago. Why is it 3-1 now? But and it, it, it is the rest of the world and it's not just the the teams that might compete to make a world cup final it's the team in the middle and it's the teams at the bottom that would make the world cup and that's you know the, those in years past you would like hold your breath was it thailand when they played the u.s it was like 13 goals you'd hold your breath i don't think that's going to happen ever again in a world cup because the bottom no. is better 
It's everyone's been elevated and, and, and this is nothing new for any team that has a target on its back. It's the same thing, at, you know, in, uh, in March Madness, when you play Duke, you know who you're playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter who's on the team. Well, that's every other country in the world against the U.S. women, right? I mean, they are operating every time a team steps on that pitch to take them on. They're operating at a different level. And I know uh, Melissa Ortiz, who is part of our Turner group um, that works with us, she played for Columbia's national team. And she, I remember her telling the story about how, um, there was this game against the Americans and, and she was just dying to play in this game. She's like, because if you, yes, I'm on the Columbia national team, but she was like, if you could play the Americans, like if I could just get into that game against the U S I mean, this is just, you know, for a lot of these people just to be playing them. So that elevates, you know, anybody that steps on the pitch, like, so the Americans can it's, go, yeah, it's playing okay, the, it's playing the Lakers. Vietnam. Yeah. 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 And, and like Vietnam, like this is like, th- we're playing the United States. So did I say because, Thailand? It was Vietnam. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. Well, they, they're all playing them in this upcoming okay. World Cup, but like, uh, right. I just mean like, it's, it's, it's everything they're circled on every single person's calendar, rightly so. Right. And I, I do think it is hard to look They're They are professionals in the sense of like, they know how to get up for games. They know what they have to do. Honestly, they are competing against themselves in a lot of ways, but I mean, the adrenaline that comes from being the people that are taking them on and what it means to step, you know, in between the lines against the Americans, it just, it, it, it's they battle that every time they take the field. You know what I mean? Even if it's a friendly, a friendly against Ireland. I mean, that's a huge opportunity for them. We, I was recently, um, you know, in their game against Japan and Japan, like did a good job, you know, like it's, it's just not, it's not going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be a cakewalk. And I think they know that. Um, and I also think that's a good thing. That is good. Uh, I'm pulling this up. I'm trying to pull up from four years ago and here we go. So the U S had, in their group, they beat Thailand 13 zip and they beat Chile three zip. And I remember that the goalkeeper there, whose name escaped me, was stood on her head. She was American based, but she was amazing. It should have been worse. Then they beat Sweden two zip. So they weren't so dominant. And then they, they kind of, I, I guess they were, they were pushed a bit. I mean, I, I'm looking at France. They beat France two one, but the world cup was in France. Uh, didn't feel that close. The U S never really were threatened. They beat England two one. And again, that, and then the final, the Dutch, who they have in the group. But I, I would imagine if we watch this World Cup, the opening game, you mentioned Vietnam, that'll be the litmus test. We'll, we, we'll, we'll maybe compare to what happened in that first game with Thailand to see um, where a smaller Asian country that has made the World Cup through the qualifying would compete yep. against the best team in the world. So that's that makes that game very interesting because I think we'll get a better idea. Maybe the it, it's same old, same old. And I mean, US- do I think there's any way that they lose that game? I don't. No, no but it won't. But I think I think the- it'd be like four, maybe it's four goals instead of 13. Yeah. I think Five. there are there are teams that this is such a huge opportunity that they're in the World Cup, right? But then I think there is a large contingent of teams that are like all viably could win. Um because, you know, and I and I heard, you know, Becky Sauerbrunn talked about it like you have to have some luck involved. I mean, I know that sounds crazy when you're talking about a team that's been the most dominant in the world at what they do, but some of it is some luck. Like, I mean, some of it is like the one time that the ball goes off the post and it shouldn't, you know, like that's where I just feel like, I mean, that's obviously what's so great about sports and that's what's so riveting about a world cup um, and maybe more riveting than ever before. Cause that competition is elevated. There is an element, I think of luck. Um, you know, I think it is very unfortunate for the Americans that Mallory Swanson, who was playing the best um, soccer of her entire life is now, who is a lock to make this team. Yeah. Star um, who of the could world be cup. the different. Yeah. I mean, should be starring at the world cup could be the difference in winning it or not winning it. Um, 
unfortunately had a, a terrible knee injury and is not going. I mean, so there's things like that, that happen that you can't control that are incredibly unfortunate and that can, you know, change the entire course. I mean, think about somebody is going to probably be going to Australia and New Zealand that wasn't going to be on that roster. I mean, life-changing for them um, on the flip side of that. And so it's just, you, you never know. And I, I don't think it's, it's always such a slam dunk. And I think you have to have some things bounce your way on top of being really good. So I look at the rankings. USA is one, Germany two, they'll be a threat. Sweden three, England four, they won the Euros. They'll be a threat. France will be a threat at five. Canada won the Olympics. They'll be a threat to win it. Spain, who is, again, the, the country that has impressed me the most with where they were and where they are. And the Netherlands are eight, which are in the group with yep. the U.S. So I think of those eight, you might have, I think you could say eight teams have a shot. Brazil, mm, Australia maybe is host. And the Japanese, I mean, they made a final and they've won a World Cup. And I don't know if they could get resurgent. I'm not sure. But I, I think something between six, seven teams could probably win. Is that... Yeah, but you couldn't say that. Think about two. Oh, you could say that four years ago. Yeah. You said maybe two. It was the USA and France, realistically. Um, I mean, they lost to England a couple months ago at Wembley, and um, you know, obviously, I would assume that on their side of things, they go, "Look, we we just we can beat we can beat this team." Like, you know what I mean? Like, what does that do for them in terms of a confidence booster? Um, I think sometimes too, though, for the Americans. Um, so when you were like, oh, you know, I don't think it's a like that they would win this i think coming off some performances that they, they would like to have back i think it puts them in a better position to win it so you like i think the fact that they went over there and lost to england like i think that that, that gives them fuel of like that extra fuel of of we got to write this thing i think what happened at the olympics like i think those things sit you know with these athletes that are at this high level it like sits with them and it eats at them and that's where i think if it was so easy i could see there being how you could have a letdown, but I think that they're so hungry and motivated to remain where they have been that that helps them. I'm just beginning the the prep for that World Cup. I mean, I've watched the games, uh, certainly U.S. games, some of the other powers. Not enough, obviously, to uh, to uh, give expert uh, opinions, but I'm beginning with this conversation, my prep for that World Cup, and I'll start diving in a bit because we're all going to be fascinated i love how they've they've staggered the time so when it's in australia new zealand we still have a reasonable hour for the u.s not all of them but most of them better than what we i think about the same with the u.s but uh in qatar for that world cup but uh it's that's beginning now and even just this conversation for for all the things i've said about the u.s you know you you still look at if they're if if they're working on things they've done that and now maybe they get that finished product. They obviously injuries are an issue, but no country is going to absorb injuries better than the U.S. They just yep. have depth for days. That's why the world number one. Uh, do you think they do it? That's a quick. Uh, I do. Okay. I actually, yeah, I, I do. I I do for the reasons I just said because there have been some stumbling blocks recently, and okay. and I think like if they had just won the Olympics, I think maybe not. Like I almost think. I always go like the reverse and there's no, I'm not, I don't, I don't have stats or research or anything in front of me. That's like, well, this percentage when they, I just think as a motivating thing, uh, I think not having the performance that they wanted at the Olympics, I think not, you know, they went over to Europe uh, right before the calendar flip this year and didn't have, you know, their typical dominant stuff. And so I think they will, I think they will get it worked out. I think they okay. will. We'll do this. Cause I'll see you at the back end of the year. And I want the U S to win. I'll be pulling, but I'm going to take the field. Okay. We'll take the U S Whatever result happens, if USA wins, I get you dinner. Okay. Upside. 
You and Matt will get Helen out as well. We'll have a dinner. We would pick up the tab. I like that. All right. Agreed. And I feel so, I feel horrible that I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hell, picking against the U.S. But this is just for How program's How dare fun. you, Max? I know. I'm not. I, I This is my favorite. I, honestly, this is my favorite U.S. team because I love how they've had to deal with challenges. And I love the young players um, that have emerged where, uh, and, and that blend with that old guard. And that's what makes Vlatko's job so difficult because that's d tough conversations when you see some players that are the best four years ago and maybe they're not quite there, but you find a way to work with them. And sometimes uh, you go that route and sometimes you say, I got to get this person in here. They're too, they're too good. And he's I done that. He's, really, I like how he's balanced it. Yeah, there. I think there's some really exciting up and coming players that like Sophia Smith. Oh. I mean, she could be a, like a superstar by the end of the summer. Um, yeah, I think it, people already see her that way, but I mean, on that world stage, I mean, you could see she could be the next Alex Morgan. And it's interesting because, um, you know, there's a lot of stars on that team and somebody was just talking to me about this at one of these games. So you go to the, you go to a game and how many Alex Morgan, I was pointing it out to Julian Chan, how many Alex Morgan posters, I mean, just little girls. But when I was, when I was a little girl, like it was Mia Hamm, like, I mean, Mia Hamm was like the Michael Jordan for all of us. And she was this goal scorer that like everybody wanted to be. And, um, you know, and Alex, there's, there's some names that it's like, how much longer will they play Becky Sauerbrunn, Megan Rapino? It could be, uh, you know, the last world cup we see them. There's some, you know, but it's always been like that at US soccer. And then the next group of stars comes in and, and I mean, that's why they're so good because like you said, that talent pool, but I think to your point about these young and up and comers, I think there's a real opportunity. Um, and there's real superstar power for people that don't know these names could very well know these names by the end of the summer. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, you mentioned Trinity Rodman and uh, Sophia Smith is the goods. We had, uh, you know, here at Angel City, they they drafted Alyssa Thompson, who's 18 years old. And in her first game, she scores. And you just see these, you know, she's not going to feature in that World Cup, but that's the next the next woman up. You know uh, what's and, so crazy, though, Max? You say that. and She might slip in there. Mal, when Mal went down, she gets a call. She's coming in. Black Coast needs to see her. She's obviously not a lock. But like, you just don't know. I mean, there's no way, you know, a month and a half ago, if you would have said Mouse Swanson's not going to be at the World Cup. I mean, it's just inconceivable to me, right? And so we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. So you said not this World Cup, but but what if she does have to go? What if she, what if she, not, and I said that wrong. What if she does have to go? Of course she wants to go. But, but there is a real opportunity where this person was sitting at home, gets a call from Blackco. Um, literally when Mal goes down, like we need you to come into the next game. And all of a sudden her summer might look really different. And what if she does have to come in like in a game? And what if she does come up with some massive goal? I mean, this can be like life altering career changing type of things. And, and it feasibly could happen. Um, I, I just think that there, there's a real opportunity for some people that you just, maybe, maybe it wasn't slated to happen that way, but because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, it does. So um, like you mentioned her being, so I think another story that's awesome. I'm so excited about is, um, Julie Ertz coming back. Julie I mean, Ertz, she was, yeah. People thought she was done playing completely. Like we were never going to see her again. And all of a sudden she shows up and hasn't played. I think it was like over 600 days since she had last played with the national team. Yeah. Had a baby. So team. yeah. Had a baby. I wasn't training with any particular team and black was like, I got to put her in there. And, um, and she's just, no one can do what, no one can do what she does. Oh she's my just... God. She was out there destroying people within yeah. seconds. And he was like, well, she's supposed to only play for 20 minutes. And he made a joke to us. He's like, you go tell her she's only played for 20 minutes. Like, cause that's, she's a game changer. And again, so when I say things could change, you know, there's people that are on the bubble, right. That no matter what these athletes tell you, like they're sitting there trying to figure out, like, am I in, if this person's it, 
And Julie Ertz just stormed back onto the scene. And now that somebody else might not be going, but Julie Ertz is like an awesome story. Like, what if this is it for her? And she's like, you know what? I think I can come back. I think I can help us win another one. And just, you know, storms onto the scene in April and is going to be in the World Cup. I mean, I I don't see barring, you know, something happening. Like she's going to be on that team and she comes on that field and she is like a wrecking ball. And it's awesome. Powerhouse of a human being, and it's a thirty-one, and uh, you know it's tough when you have to take um, maternity leave. But sometimes it might be good because you get perspective, and you get I mean, far be it for me to say anything. I don't know, but maybe yeah, what get was your maternity leave like? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's just like you come back. But it's it. But you know, so many times we don't even mention it, and I can't even imagine like uh, a man just popping off for two years, say, "Oh, I, I'm having a baby," and you're like the, the sacrifices. The female athletes have to make that they want to start a family and uh we've got to respect that so much when it happens but they it's so commonplace you, you almost forget it and how they can bounce back and i also think it is alex a did it and, yeah alex did it uh, but um i think it's a testament of how special julie is that you know she can jump on in april and like be yeah, just special player you know what i mean like that's because there's not a lot of people that could do that even at the highest level and the fact that they sort of never really found a solution while she was out for like the role that she plays and the fact that she can just come in there. And I mean, and and it was blatantly obvious. You're like, yep, she's on. Like, I mean, it took about five minutes into the game. It's she's, she's a game changer in a different way. Like attitude, the mentality, the toughness, it's just like, it's a spark that doesn't show up in a stat sheet necessarily, but you can see it immediately. And there, there's a game changer. And so there's another awesome story that's not on the younger side of like, we don't know this player. I mean, here's like a comeback story that, you know, and that's what's so great about the World Cups. They're going to be all these like incredible stories that, um, you know, imagine if Julia has a, a header that we're so used to seeing from her and she conceivably considered not coming back. And it's just, it's crazy. And I think uh, I'm, I'm psyched to have her back. <laughs> I hope I lose this bet. I really hope I lose this bet, Sarah. Yeah, I hope I buy just, dinner. Otherwise, because you're I, gonna just look like because then if you win the bet, then what are we gonna do? Be like Matt <laughs> it, or Max is paying up because he didn't believe in his own country. Yes, I did it. Max. <laughs> yeah, I w- also want to add U.S. soccer. If anyone from there is listening, if Latko Andonovsky picks up the phone to call again, Alyssa Thompson to say she's on the World Cup, please record it. We want to see it, like what Greg Berhalter did for the uh, the men's side when they called him. How exciting it is! And we'll talk. I mean, well, I just want to talk briefly about the men because it's obviously yeah. not in a World Cup year, but you're covering them. And uh, just get your thoughts. What is what has surprised you about that world? I, I don't know if you're familiar with USMNT Twitter, where it is so polarizing with opinions. And it's it's great that so many people have an opinion on the U.S. men's national team game. You know, it's like MLS players, uh, which you probably heard of that the game in, in Glendale, Arizona versus yeah. the European based players. What's going on and why aren't our guys playing here? And we had a, we've had a rough go, but it's a. Uh, they had a good, they had a World Cup, made the round of 16. I know that we ever wanted, everyone wants it to go a little. And you said, imagine making a quarterfinal. I go, imagine it, because they've only done it. They've done it twice. Well, we can't remember the uh, way back when, but certainly in 2002. But uh, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a compelling one. It's a frustrating one too, for me, covering it. But uh, what have been your reactions when you've, you've got a close so, look oh, at this squad? So I've obviously been with their games since the start of this year. So in January, uh, and it's definitely been different and weird as you described it in the sense that you've seen very different camps. Yeah. So, you know, we had the break where we're seeing all the guys from Europe come over. There's not one to camp. mention no coach or just so, a sporting yeah, director. I didn't even either. get into that, but like that uh, was um, interim coach. Sorry with Anthony Hudson. Yeah. And, coach. Um, you know, and I have to say, and I, I said this to Anthony on air, um, 
I praised him just for, he was put in a really awkward position. I mean, the whole, the whole story, and you know, we don't have to go into it because I'm sure everyone that would be listening to this understand it. It's, it's been a really weird, terrible story. Oh um, yeah. Certain aspects, but then the fallout is so awkward and weird um, on a lot of levels. And, and just the first time we got out there with Anthony, when he was named interim coach, I just felt like he sort of head on met with us as the, you know, as the folks that were calling the game and was very, I, like the best way I can describe him was very human about it, like of, of what he was dealing with. And he was very like forthcoming of like, Hey, this is what I have to deal with. And this is what I told the players. And we have to just kind of get through this, um, re- regardless of like the other stuff that's going on the outside. And, you know, I hate that it's, it, it was just like, you were coming off, unfortunately. And I think this is why so many people are, were disappointed is you're coming off this world cup run where they felt like they did a a good job. And, and it was immediately sort of into this scandal. Right. Yeah. And, and so then the players are answering that and they're having to answer. And then the guys that are there have to answer to, you know, well, what is this like? And what do you think of Berthold? It's just all and Berthold at that point, And I guess conceivably still could be in the running to come back. It, it just is, it makes it very awkward for a lot of people. Um, and Anthony Hudson among them. And, and he's had to sort of lead this team in this interim basis. And I don't think anybody doing anything in an interim basis, that's not an easy thing to do. And I think he has done it as gracefully as you can possibly do that. It's just not easy. And then you're, and then you're calling in, um, you know, the guys from Europe and, and he's made it a point to say to us, there's not an A team and a B team. We're just trying to, you know, and of course he's saying that, but you can look at the Twitter thing and, you know, if someone's going to disagree with that and they have to get ready for gold cup and they, you know, all those other things. And, um, yeah, I think he's handled a situation that is not easy. There's no, no one would come into this, that situation that he has been put into and had to be a spokesman person for stuff that he has nothing to do with. You know what I mean? And he has to answer the questions and uh, there's no one that would go, Hey, this is a, this is an ideal way to take over a team. It's not, it's, it's not a good situation. Um, I feel like every time we've done a game, we've had Cindy Parlow Cohen on and Hey, what's the latest. And while well, we're waiting for a sporting director and then we're waiting for, it's just sort and, of, and, and the world cup, bid, the world cup, bid, bid, and now mentioned. we're doing the world cup. Bid. And so, um, I guess this is a long-winded, terrible answer um, for <laughs> me and answering you and like, what are your impressions? And I guess the reality is, is I don't know because it's been such a strange look. I think what I have seen in these last couple of months is not indicative of, and that's not meant as a knock. Like what we're looking at now is not how it's going to look six months from now. Yes. So it's really hard to judge like how you're seeing and, and who you're seeing and what you're seeing when we know it's a very interim basis. Um, you know, like I know- you know, they want a number nine very badly. They want some, you know what I mean? Like that's been a, a, and Anthony really like stressed that one of the things he said, like, look, it's, this is no secret. Like we need goals. We need somebody that can score goals. We need somebody. <laughs> we really do. I, I mean, I going I like back that. to the world cup, we weren't scoring goals. That's an understatement. Right. And, um, and so, you know, you've gotten looks at people, but it has been, it's been disjointed for, for many reasons, some in control, some out of control. And I think going forward now that they have the sporting director and hopefully when a coach is announced soon, then I think you can start to, I, you know, there'll be a lot of games I, I think we'll have in the fall. And I think maybe that will be a much more, um, much more indicative of what we'll see going forward. Yeah. Cause it's been, it's been really hard. And we should get, have a coach. We should have a permanent coach by then. Yeah. I know that when we last talked to Cindy, um, we have a women's game on July 9th. It's their send off game before they go to the world cup. And, you know, we kind of said to her by July 9th, we, the hope is that they would have someone by then um, who knows, but I, I think now that they have a sporting director, I think this the pieces will sh- should fall into place rather quickly. Um, although none of this happens rather quickly, right? 
Um, so all I can say is that my impression of Anthony Hudson has been uh, someone that's been put in a, a very difficult spot that I think has managed these guys to the best that anybody could probably manage them given what's going on. I think the guys that have been on the pitch and the guys that we've talked to have handled a very awkward situation. Cause this is also then involving a yeah, teammate. It, it could have gotten really bad. I mean, it could have been like some guy going, yeah, I'm pissed or this, I mean, we saw uh, Joe Scally was on football Americas and he uh, yeah, saw Sebastian saw Salazar and he goes, what kind of coach are you looking for? He goes, well, one that doesn't make it feel like it's a club and, and it was a shot at Greg Berhalter. And I was like, Correct, I, but then he also in the same sentence said, Gio's his one of his best friends. Yes. So, so but, then it makes, you know what I mean? Like, this is where I mean, it gets very like, okay, well, that's. I'm surprised we didn't hear more of things like that. You know, maybe veiled shots or kind of like guys sticking up for one or the other. I mean, there's guys well, that are uh, sticking up for Berhalter, obviously. Pulisic defended Berhalter. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, And praised him. And then it makes you go, and then immediately, where does your mind go? You go, well, is he close with you? You know what I mean? Like, it makes you, it's a, it's such an awkward, awkward story to the point of. To the point of, I mean, it was really, when you talk about soccer in this country, I mean, it was like front page in any sport headline yeah. because just the oh, people are t- people are going, look at what they're, they're doing in America and laughing. Well, no, I don't even think, I don't think that as much as like a story that was like so, Bizarre, so many layers yeah. and yeah. the way that these layers were interconnected, you're reading it from a human level going, oh my God, like it just on, on, you know, former teammates, former friends, former roommates, it was just a very, to a current teammate and the current coach and just a very weird. So for me, a very weird time to come into us soccer. And it felt like there was a period there when we were starting in the beginning where every day, like another headline was dropping about that and how it was shaking out. And I mean, we had a lot of discussions on how are we handling this on air? How much are we discussing it? And, you know, we also had the idea of you want it to be about the the game and what's happening, you know, on the pitch, but at the same time, like, what is everyone talking about? And everyone is talking about, <laughs> you can't hide you know from I mean? that. We, yeah. You can't hide from it. And and we wanted to, if you're tuning into the game, like, yeah, I want to know what Kyle Martino thinks about it. I mean, I'm texting these guys being like, what do you got? Like you 100% guys are, you want to hear what Kyle has like, to think and about so, it. And that's how we sort of decided, like, we have to, you know, address it head on because that's what people are talking about. And that's what, you know, it's that that's exactly what was going on. Yeah. The rain should never done it. But I mean, I was reading that Henry Bushnell article and it looked like, Greg Berhalter was maybe spread a little too thin, but he should not have brought that up. It was just really dumb. And I'm sure he regrets it, which started this whole thing, bringing up his, you know, a player in uh, in the camp did this and he used it as an example, but uh, hopefully it's water on the bridge. I agree with you with, with Anthony Hudson. I think history will look fondly upon him, mm-hmm. not as a coach, but as a caretaker, because things didn't go off the rails. And who knows if they get these... Maybe he's done well with dual nationals, and maybe that continues to be the case. Uh, and I hope he gets a good gig, not the U.S. gig, but I hope he gets a good gig as a result after this, because I think uh, he did a nice job. And, yeah, and, I, and just in closing, what you say is, you know, I asked you about U.S. soccer, and there's not much to talk about. It's not a great time. It stinks. You know, they're not playing great in the games, the few games we have seen. Uh, we don't know who's going to play. We have questions. We still can't score goals. But I guess this thing is this scandal, whatever you want to call it, still hovering above it. But thank God it didn't happen last year. I think it's happening now, way three years away from a World Cup. Uh, so, I also as you said, it will give us time to get better. I think as soon as you get a, a new coach, right, it doesn't necessarily go away. But I think that really helps turn the page to the next chapter. And I think until you do that, it continues to hover, right? Because the questions will continually be, who's the coach? Why don't you have a coach? It's it, it just until that next person is in place and can say, here's my program. Here's where we're going. That person has nothing to do with the last, the way that this is all unfolded. 
um, I, I think they will be able to move forward and, and will be able to put it behind them, but it's going to, that person needs to be in place. Yeah. Bang up job, Sarah, Sarah Walsh, covering the national teams for Turner and HBO. Uh, there's a lot to to unpack here, but it's good. I mean, it's, there's it's exciting times and there's, we have to be patient on other fronts. Um, it's going to be exciting time this summer. I'm super excited for the fall because like I said, we should have a new coach. We potentially, uh, not according to Max Bredos, but we should have some world cup champions residing <laughs> in this country. We'll see. It's going to be a really expensive dinner for Max. Um, oh boy. I feel like if you're taking the field, your dinner bill should be capped differently than mine as I'm only taking <laughs> team we'll get this figured out we'll get this oh figured my god out. i just by the way i don't at this point i don't care i don't go out to dinner enough so i just want to get out there regardless of the circumstances um, so let's do it i'm always happy to have dinner with you thank you for having me on max sarah it was excellent i appreciate uh your insight and look forward to maybe doing this again and look forward to seeing you in that send-off game and covering the national teams it's it's a it's a really it's it it can be painful sometimes but it's a very rewarding it's a very rewarding uh journey you're now on so all the best and i'm thrilled to see how uh, you've had with your success here on air. Uh, one of the best, Sarah Walsh joining us. She's out of the business end. We'll be back with Stop Time. We'll talk about Alexi Lalas's tweet a little bit, whether the Christian Pulisic could end up at the LA Galaxy or an MLS next season. It's not that crazy. I try to keep things under an hour, but I went a little bit over. Great conversation with Sarah, so... I think it was it was worth it. I uh, did want to have a quick abbreviated stoppage time, at least in theory. There was a tweet by Alexi Lalas, and I couldn't believe it because people lost their marbles. Like he insulted. I texted Alexi. I go, dude, what did you do? You you got people all riled up. And what he said, because someone I think asked him a question, was that was uh. Christian Pulisic's coming out of contract and maybe he, uh, there'd be an option to come here. He goes, I think Christian Pulisic will have plenty of great options in Europe, but if LA Galaxy wanted to act like a super club again, they'd make a run at him and use him like Beckham to signal their intentions. Yes, he'd get lots of MLS crap, but I think CP's got a lot of Landon Donovan in him. So... Keeping in mind with Landon Donovan, Donovan didn't like Europe. He wanted to be home. He came back from his German spell. He also was with Everton, went to the Galaxy, made a ton of money, was happy. Uh, how did it affect his international career? Maybe it short-circuited a bit because he didn't make that roster in 2010. But prior to that, he was arguably the best player, American player we've ever had. Even though he played at MLS, he didn't lose it when he went to the national team. I think that's fair, right? Maybe it could have been better if he stayed in Europe. We don't know. And you can't prove that to me, and I can't prove the alternate. So we um, we have a... People, I mean, the responses were like, not today. Oh, and I go, why do people think that this couldn't happen? Now, it shouldn't happen. Christian Pulisic is 24 years old. He's done all the hard work to get to Europe. He sacrificed his childhood to get there. So why get out of it now? You know, I, I, at least maybe not for, he probably would be thinking, I can go to MLS, but I can sign a contract for three, four years and do it when I'm 28. That's probably the logical choice. There are some things in play here that um, can lure him over. I can tell you for sure that there are MLS teams that have made some sort of approach to Pulisic, to Weston McKinney, maybe to Gio Reyna, Gio Reyna's so young, to think about life in 
the United States or Canada. Uh, because we remember that run of American players. Remember, they were all a little bit older than Christian Pulisic, but Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, uh, who weren't playing at the level of Christian Pulisic. But we also got to remember, Christian Pulisic's stock is not soaring right now. He's at the, the end of a bench for Chelsea with a bad injury record. The only thing that has been really positive was his performance at the World Cup, which he never even, you know, he didn't really get. I mean, he had that pass to Tim Weah, but we didn't see him score goals. But he was very good. We don't want to diminish that. But he's not a $60 million player like he was when he joined Chelsea. He's probably in the, what do we say, $30 million? Am I going to get yelled at for that? $40 million tops. So, uh, you know, part of the fact he went to Chelsea was to help the American branching out of Chelsea. So that's good. Now, he has a Champions League triumph. He has reached the plateau. Now he's trying to get back up there. It's not going to be with Chelsea. So, you know, we've heard AC Milan. Will he play at Milan? Maybe. Realistically, he probably should go to a team like Crystal Palace or West Ham or maybe outside the top two in Germany. Does he want to go backwards? When he makes records, he makes $9 million a year. So... We'll get to the money part because I think that is to say that we'll wipe away. Look, Lionel Messi might go to Saudi Arabia because of money. Cristiano Ronaldo went to Saudi Arabia money. They're older players. and But Christian Pulisic could wait five years. Maybe he doesn't, his stock doesn't go further. Remember the injuries. And we can sit here and say he should be playing, but he's not. So clearly someone doesn't rate him as highly as we do. And it was multiple coaches at Chelsea that felt that way. He was never, oh, that's my guy. There's four coaches. So his brand may not be as high as it will be in two, three years. And again, uh, money talks. And there is nowhere he can double, perhaps triple his salary than in Major League Soccer. And you also add to the fact that he is coming right before a World Cup. Think of all the opportunities he will get to be the face of the national team, the face of Major League Soccer. Imagine that MLS adds Messi and Pulisic. There's your billboard for the next three, four years, right? If not more. And I can tell you, man, if you add those two players, the the perception of MLS, while it's not where you want it to be, but you have, you cover all your bases. You have the biggest star in the world and you have the biggest American star in the world. I don't think that's with any question to either one of those statements. Christian Blissick would get opportunity after op- uh, marketing opportunity, PR opportunity. Um, so outside of MLS, he can make a lot of money. I will also point out that living in Europe as an American is not for everyone. <laughs> Eventually, you miss the creature comforts that you have in the U.S. The same way in Europe. Actually, no, Europeans do love to come here and not leave. So America is the place to be. America is the place to be. I will. I will. Trust me. Yeah, there's some there's some things that you can have here that you can't have if you or if you're wealthy. So, um, by the way, I saw some video of Brits making fun of Americans how they talk at Coachella, and I'm like, eh, it's licensed to just poke fun all the time. Getting a little bit fatigued with that from the British because we don't make fun of them. We adore the British here. People wake up at 2 a.m. to watch the coronation. People aren't doing that in England anymore. They're booing the, the coronation. Not everywhere in Liverpool, in Scotland. So I'm just saying. 
simmer down. I think we got a, the Brits need a little pushback from us Americans. If we're all on board, I'm ready to lead that charge. But let's get back to Christian Pulisic. I guarantee he misses the States, kind of like what Landon Donovan did. And then you get to go back with your family and your friends, your creature comforts. So there's a lot of things at play here that tell you that maybe it's a possibility. It'll come down to the money and the opportunities. So whether it's the LA Galaxy or another club, maybe it's his hometown team, Philadelphia Union. I doubt it. But all of MLS has to get behind it. He makes $9 million a year. He's not going to make more than that in his next contract. No, he's not. Let's say $7 million. The top earner at Major League Soccer is Lorenzo Insigne. He makes $14 million. So let's say he makes that, which I think he, to bring him in here is so much more valuable than Insigne on and off the field. Let's say $18 million. And then you could promise him maybe a stake at the club. Why not? Promise him this marketing. He could probably get upwards to between 20 and $30 million with everything before it's all said and done. Yeah, because he's in the States. Yeah, do you want to go? I have a Champions League. Do I want to get another one? Sure. 30 million? 30 million. 30 million dollars. Let's say 25. So as much as it disappoints you, and as much as I don't think it will happen, I think Pulisic, after all the work he's done, is going to give it another run. I guarantee they're going to roll out the red carpet and they'll do everything he can get because that's a game changer for Major League Soccer to have Pulisic and possibly Messi. Check out my uh, YouTube. I have a video right there I think you will enjoy about why Messi, I tell you why Messi will come to MLS. It's the clear-cut best option. I'm getting excited here. I work in MLS. I know I'm a bit of a homer, but I watch everything. I love soccer. I love watching Christian Pulisic play at Chelsea and Dortmund. I love waking up and watching these guys. I'm going to watch the championship playoffs because I want to see Ethan Horvath and Zach Steffen. It's a lot at our fingertips. But don't be surprised if it does happen. The Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. We'll be back for episode 151 next week. Until then, Placido Domingo!